we're going to do one more lab on 9, 14 to 18 with a focus on verse 18, which is one we haven't looked at yet. So then, he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. Father, I pray that we would understand your freedom in mercy and your freedom in hardening, how it relates to your righteousness in choosing Jacob over Esau and the children of promise over the children of the flesh. Grant us insight and make us worshipful and obedient. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In response to saying that God chose Jacob and not Esau, Paul raises the question, is there injustice or unrighteousness? On God's part, the answer is no. And then the structure of the argument is that he gives two Old Testament quotations, this one from Exodus 33:19 through Moses, and this one, this one through Pharaoh. This is Exodus 9:16. So in support of the righteousness of God in unconditional election, he quotes first, "I will have mercy on whom I have mercy." and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. In other words, a text that focuses on God's freedom. He's not dependent on any others for the choices he makes. And then, for this very purpose, Pharaoh, I raised you up that I might show my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed. And so he is focusing here on God's allegiance to his name. In between those two Old Testament quotes, there are these inferences. So then, so then. And the first inference is, so then, in view of that quote, it, it, that is this mercy, referring back to the election of Jacob, over Esau before they were born. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God. And so establishing the freedom of God in his election, and that freedom is at the essence of God's name, and righteousness is the doing of right by God's name or his glory, which means God is right in the unconditionality and freedom of his election. And now here we come to the last inference. So then, he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. And so the stress here in verse 18 is not merely on I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and compassion on whom I'll have compassion, but he balances it with the negative side 
of justice and hardening as well. So let's see if we can sum it like this. Um, God's, God, God's freedom in mercy and justice or hardening in relation to Moses and Pharaoh Moses and Pharaoh in relation to uh, Jacob and Esau which go back here and correspond to those two I guess I could do it like this and the children of promise and the children of the flesh back in verses 6 through 8 so the the value of verse 18 or the distinctiveness of verse 18 is that it gathers up the freedom of God in mercy, just like we saw here. I have mercy on whom I have mercy. And then it adds, he's free in his hardening as well. So not only does uh, mercy not depend on human willing or exertion, but hardening does not depend on human willing or exertion either. Notice, there's no reference in verse 17 here, the quote from Exodus um, 9, 16. There's no reference there to hardening, which means that when he draws the inference here about hardening, he's expecting us to know the context about the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. He doesn't mention it, and yet he uses that text without mentioning to draw that conclusion, which is very significant because it it supports the fact that we've been trying here and now here to dig into the Old Testament context to draw out what Paul saw, even if he didn't mention it. And he didn't mention hardening here in verse 17, but he does draw the inference for hardening. So let's, let's do that. Let's think a little bit about hardening here as we draw this to a close. What is the decisive cause of the hardening of Pharaoh? And here he says, it's not man, because that's the whole point. I have mercy on whom I have mercy. People don't determine whom I have mercy on. And I harden whomever I harden. People don't determine whom I harden. Sometimes people will say that Pharaoh hardened his own heart, which of course it does say he does. And that's a response. And then God in response hardens his heart. But look, Here's Exodus 4.21. The Lord said to Moses, when you go back, so this is long before any of the hardening takes place. When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart. So he's predicting the hardening of Pharaoh's heart even before anything happens. Same thing in Exodus 7, 3 and 4. I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen. So this is part of God's design, part of God's plan. He's going to see that this happens. And when you read four times that um, Pharaoh hardened his own heart or God hardened Pharaoh's heart, it says, as he said... So, I conclude that 
the hardening here is exactly what Paul says. He hardens whomever he wills. Parallel with he has mercy on whomever he wills. And the whole point there is it is not of human will, not of human exertion, neither the mercy nor the hardening. Which raises this question, how does God do that and still be just or still be accountable? That's what this whole text is about. And I don't know the complete deepest, fullest answer to that. But here is a pointer in a possible direction of thinking it through. In Isaiah 64, 7, it says, there is no one who calls upon your name who rouses himself. Oops, I'm sorry, I should have started here. Isaiah 63, 17. Oh Lord, why do you make us wander from your ways, make us wander from your ways and harden our heart so that we fear you not? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. So there's the same kind of word in Isaiah that we had in Exodus. Now, how might God do that? And here, a few verses later, 64, 7, about eight or nine verses later, there is no one who calls upon your name who rouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden, you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. So this may be, may be, I'm not arguing that this is for sure the answer. This may be part of the answer that God hides his face and hands us over to our own iniquities and darkness so that there isn't an active, positive agency pushing us into hardness, but rather a kind of negative agency agency by which he hides his face and the shadow of our own darkness causes us to harden ourselves and thus he brings about our hardening. One last question. Are these coordinate in verse 18? Mercy on whomever he wills and hardening whomever he wills. By that I mean are, are these two goals that are equal in God's mind, or does one serve the other? We could argue from this text right here, if we took the time, it would be complicated, so I'm going to do it the easier way, that mercy is served by the hardening. And I go to the end of the unit, chapter 9, verses 22 to 23, and you're going to see the echoes of the words to Pharaoh. What if God, desiring to show his wrath, and to make known his power. That's an exact phrase from verse 17 where Pharaoh is raised up to show God's power. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and make known his power, endured with much patience the vessels of wrath, that's Pharaoh, prepared for destruction in order. Now there's the thing that shows me that mercy is served by wrath in order to make known the riches of his glory for the vessels of mercy. So, in conclusion to this unit, then, the whole point has been to establish that God is not unrighteous in electing unconditionally Jacob over Esau. And he has done that kind of uh, argument for the righteousness of God by establishing God's freedom and then by connecting God's freedom to his name and that name being upheld is the essence of righteousness. So when God acts in freedom to elect, he is acting in righteousness. 
So here's the summary of the unit so far, verses 1 to 18. Most of Israel is cut off from Christ, verses 1 to 5. Nevertheless, the word of God has not failed, verse 6, because the promise was only to the elect. In this, God is righteous, verse 15, because God's righteousness is his commitment to his name or his glory, And essential to his name or his glory is his freedom. And he is acting in freedom when he elects unconditionally.